Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and I'm excited to have with us today Wade Alexander, who is the Director of Expeditions for Choice Humanitarian, a tremendous organization that has a real on-the-ground strategy for ending poverty in the next little while. Wade, thank you very much for joining us. It's really a thrill to have you. Thanks so much, Devin. So glad to be here. I'm, I'm excited because you and I, are, well, you are taking a whole group of people, and I'm honored to go with you in February to Nepal. This is going to be an amazing trip. I've never been to Nepal. You're now a Nepal expert. Uh, and and I'm eager to hear about what I'm going to be doing. And I want to be sure. clear right up front, the reason we're having this conversation is because there's still room for people to join the expedition, right? It's not just you and me. It'll be a great group of people. Uh, and so in any event, let's start with uh, tell people a little bit about uh, choice. Great. So. Uh, Choice Humanitarian is a nonprofit organization based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, we were founded more than three decades ago, so back in 1982. And uh, since that time, uh, we have evolved with a model of development. It's a self-sustaining model in which we empower villages from the bottom up to eradicate their own poverty and drive themselves down a path towards self-reliance. And so we work with several communities in different areas. Right now, Devin, we work in five key countries, uh, Mexico, Guatemala, Bolivia, Kenya, and Nepal. Now, our work goes on every day, every week, every month. We have work going on around the globe with amazing native in-country field teams that work with multiple communities on village-identified projects, initiatives, and so forth. The expeditions program, uh, which I oversee, allows people to witness that work, to be a part of it, work hand-in-hand -hand with villagers, and, uh, and really broaden their global perspectives and have an impact on the world, and at the same time learn something from those communities. So, uh, to answer your question, uh, the Nepal trip, what are you going to be doing? Man, there's going to be some amazing stuff going on in Nepal, and uh, I'm excited for you. February 14th through the 21st uh, is this amazing Nepal trip, and it's part of our Distinguished Speakers program. And uh, we were just talking before, but uh, we're hoping for an incredible expedition. And with Devin on board, I'm sure we're going to do that. Well, Wade, let's start at the beginning. So uh, people are going to be coming from across the country. Uh, they will get on airplanes, and they will go to some place in Nepal. Where, where in Nepal are they going to land? Where, where does this airplane put down? Fantastic. So uh, on the very first day, which is Saturday, February 14th, that's when people should start arriving uh, into Kathmandu. And so uh, to make it easy for people, it's KTM Airport. So you arrive and depart from Kathmandu. And uh, that first day, we're going to welcome you, greet you at the airport. Our uh, in-country staff, our in-country team uh, will take you to the hotel, get you checked in, let you rest a little bit because there will be some jet lag. That's inevitable. Uh, and we're going to kick things off with a nice orientation, meet and greet fellow volunteers, yourself, Devin, get to meet the whole group, share a few words that night, and have a great welcome dinner there in Nepal. Uh, the following morning, that Sunday the 15th, 
we take off toward the villages. Uh, and so uh, right now, if we split it up, maybe we'll we'll drive out a little bit the first day if we can and have dinner just outside the city, kind of break up the transportation. But on average, you're looking at six to eight hours drive from Kathmandu into the central Lamjung region of Nepal. And so we're in the foothills of the Himalayas. That's where we work with key communities, and those communities invite expedition groups and host them for a week uh, to partake of that experience. So, so the so we arrive on Saturday, Sunday morning, uh -huh. we're going to get up and we get on a bus and we drive six to eight hours up to the village. Now, yep. will we be able to take the bus right into the village or do we end up uh, on a, a mule train or a high cap <laughs> to, to get to the end? What, what, what happens there at the end of the row? Sure. Let me, uh, let me preface this response with saying that uh, having a sense of humor and being flexible are two key components of any expedition, right, Devin? So uh, what could very well happen? We'd love to drive you right into the village, and some villages allow that. Um, but there might be some other villages that, for whatever reason, we might have to trek a good 30 minutes or more. Casual trek, nothing too rigorous, um, and just enjoy the great outdoors, enjoy the view. When but we get there... now. If there's a 30-minute trek, are there going to be porters, or are we going to be carrying our own stuff? Because this this influences what we bring. Absolutely. So we will have carriers and uh, and porters basically take uh, the heavy luggage up. If you want to bring a day bag or something, especially your camera, your water bottle, take some pictures, enjoy the moment. But uh, we definitely want to make sure that you feel comfortable and that you're enjoying the experience in that moment. Uh, that's a great question, Devin. When you get to the village. Uh, you can hear the music from from far away. So when you begin walking into the village, you're going to hear the music, you're going to hear the dancing, and uh, you will receive a beautiful welcome ceremony. And uh, no words uh, do it justice. Uh, it's just a beautiful welcome ceremony, something very sacred and special. And uh, the villagers, village leaders, even the schoolmaster is there to welcome everyone and uh, wrap, you know, uh, you know, adorn you with flowers and so forth. And uh, that night we'll have a great dinner. Lots of dancing, well, let's celebration. Let's, let's slow down. Wait. I know you're excited. So, so <laughs> we're walking into the village. The music's playing. We, we're greeted. How many people are typically on a an expedition? So we've had groups as small as maybe uh, 12 to 15 people. And uh, we've had groups as big as 40 or more. That's kind of where we like to cap it. Okay. So it's a pretty intimate group. Uh, you, it's small enough that you'd get to know everyone on the trip. Uh, you may not know them all on the first day, but by the end of the week, you're probably going to know them pretty well, right? That's correct. That's correct. Plenty of opportunities uh, to interact with each other as volunteers as well as with the villagers and different families. I generally find that the people on trips like this are phenomenal people. I mean, think about it. You're screening out uh, all of... <laughs> All of the selfish people, right? The only people who go on this are people who are eager to do something for someone else, eager enough to pay for the privilege to travel across the world to go uh, be of some help. So you're going to be with great people, right? That, that's absolutely correct. And you bring up a good point, Devin, because it's funny. Uh, there is kind of the self-filtering process. You know, you're going to go in the middle of nowhere on this remote experience that's somewhat rugged and authentic and life-changing. Um, and so there's a certain demographic that goes on those trips. And yet, what's so funny about it 
is 99% of those people come home saying that their lives were changed, their eyes were open, they had this amazing experience. Um, and so to think that such amazing individuals join these trips and come home even more enriched, even more enlightened, uh, ready to make their mark on the world. Yeah, well, it is inspiring. Okay, so we've got the group, 30 or so people into the village. We've been greeted. What happens next? So uh, really what happens next is uh, we're going to engage in several different projects uh, throughout the week. And so really Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, we're going to be engaged in intercultural activities and so forth. Uh, for example, different projects that this trip might include would be um, doing biogas digesters, which means bigging, uh, digging big giant holes into the side of the mountain uh, to help families out uh, uh, and, and bring methane gas into their homes in a safer and healthier way, um, as opposed to the indoor cooking fires and so forth. Uh, now, building what a difference that would make to people. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, we were working on that just a few months ago when I was in Nepal, uh, a life-changing project. And once again, these are village-identified projects. So the village will come forward and say, we need biogas digesters, or we need a schoolhouse, or we need a health clinic nearby. That's what we need, and we're ready to put our manpower into it. We just need some extra support. Um, and so, Devin, one thing I want to point out to all the viewers is that while the project is a key part to the expedition, it's not the focus of the expedition. It's a catalyst for the intercultural exchange we want people to have. And the intercultural exchange will also be made through soccer games, uh, different activities, dancing, music, visiting families in their homes, learning about their daily lives and routines. Also maybe doing a mini trek around the village one day. Um, but we really want people to get to know the, the villagers, the members of those communities. Uh, that makes such perfect sense. What, what are some of the other projects? So, so if we're not digging a hole, we might be building a health clinic or a school. T tell us a little bit about the kinds of activities that are involved. And I want to drill down just enough to, so that we understand what kind of physical condition people need Great. to be in. Great. So first things first, there is no quota with any project during an expedition. Many times we'll come in during the, uh, the beginning of a project, sometimes maybe the middle, even sometimes the very end when they're wrapping up. The fact is we're going to play a small role in the completion of this project because the villagers own it from the beginning to end. So different things that we might do. Uh, you know, for those who want to be rigorous and work hard, sure, you can dig holes, you can move boulders, you can uh, you know, mix cement, you can dig trenches. Uh, things like that even help make bricks and so forth. Uh, and for those that want to avoid all the treacherous work, you can be the, the cheerleaders there, you know, passing us water and uh, playing with the uh, village kids in the background and having your own interaction. So is it possible for people who are not uh, physically robust to participate in the trek or, is it, or is, it in, is it important for you to be in good health? I guess no. partly thinking about age and, and health and those kinds of Absolutely. things. Absolutely. In fact, uh, that casual trek, which is a possibility going into a village, uh, I hope that no one feels discouraged with that. It, it is very casual if, if, any, if there is any trek at all uh, and really up to about 30 minutes, and we want it to be enjoyable for you. 
we definitely don't want it to uh, you know disqualify anyone. So uh, another question that pops up related to this is, well, what if what if a certain person just doesn't have the energy or ability to to work on this project to offer manual labor? That's fine. We're not looking for for uh, you know construction workers because I can promise you the majority of people that jump on our trips have no construction background, and it's obvious from day one. And that's a great thing about it, right, Devin? Because the villagers are teaching us. The villagers are showing us what works in their community, what works for them. And that's an empowering experience, Devin, when you have other people on the side of the on the other side of the world realizing we have something to teach these American volunteers. <laughs> we have something of value to give to them. And we love it. We love it. Yeah. Well, I trust me, there's there's no shortage of things I could learn. So I, I look forward to that. So so we're 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 working on the project. That's part of the day. And then you said there's uh -huh. cultural activities. Tell us a little bit about the cultural activities. What are we doing and how, how is the rest of our time filled? Sure. So uh, first I want to touch on the food real fast if you don't mind because i got to talk oh. about the meals. You know, everyone's always asking about the meals. First of all, we bring in filtered water. We'll have water on hand throughout the week, make sure people are healthy and hydrated. But the food is out of this world. Uh, we have uh, a native Nepali cooking staff that kind of comes in and takes care of us for a week, uh, preparing some amazing foods, mixing you know local Nepali foods with American staple foods for comfort. You know, everyone wants some of those. And uh, for other activities, though, Devin, great question. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be uh, you know interacting with musicians and other villagers that will come down just to visit you. Um, there's going to be discussions. This is a big part of every choice expedition, Devin. Are these discussions that we have, especially in the evenings? And these are discussions that our expedition leaders and yourself will have with the group about how are we making our mark on the world? Why are you here? What is your purpose? What are you trying to get out of this experience for yourself or for the village? What learning experiences are you, uh, are you having? And we want to help interpret the experience that people are having on the expedition, shift their paradigm of what is poverty. Uh, and so, as well as having a distinguished speaker such as yourself, Devin, on this trip, uh, there will be opportunities for you to also uh, engage the, the volunteers uh, with important topics, once again, about how to make a positive impact on the world, not just in a Nepali village, but elsewhere when you go home as ambassadors to Choice Humanitarian. This is really uh, an exciting, exciting thing. So, the we're there. Really, the work days are four days. So we get in Sunday. We probably have have dinner, settle in, and then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we work. How do we wrap up the that work session? So, so, so Thursday night, what's going on? Great. So uh, Thursday night, you know, it's like a, it's like a normal work day. You know, we're we're working, we're interacting with the villagers, we're having a great time. We've learned over the years, Devin, that's, that's kind of the threshold for people to pull off the grid, get away from home, and be working. It's kind of that threshold about Thursday night. And so come Friday morning, uh, the following day, we have the, uh, the closing ceremony. And you can expect the same kind of, uh, uh, of music and dance and festivities going on. So that's kind of our farewell, and it's emotional. And you might think to yourself, wait a minute, I've only been in this village for just a few days. I promise you, it is emotional. I've seen volunteers cry. I've seen uh, villagers cry, village leaders cry. It's a powerful uh, moment to see that, these friendships that were born and, and just within the week. And uh, from there, we get back in our vehicle, say goodbye, and we start heading back to Kathmandu, six to eight hours. 
So then we'll be back in Kathmandu Friday night. Uh, That's we'll, correct. So most people will leave uh, Saturday. They'll get on an airplane on Saturday to come home or or perhaps head off to India or Bangladesh or someplace to do a little more sight. That, that's right, Devin. So, uh, you know, Friday night comes around. We'll check you back into the hotel. That's included as part of the expedition. You know, the hotel on the first night and last night. We'll have a farewell dinner. There's some uh, great restaurants there in Kathmandu. We'll have a farewell dinner, share our feelings. Um, also a bit of gratitude for the amazing choice team that was able to pull this off. And uh, closing discussions, remarks, get back to the hotel, get some rest. And the next day, Saturday, people are free to depart from Kathmandu Airport. Um, I definitely suggest some time to explore Kathmandu in the least. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing city, a bustling city, great place to be. But uh, as you mentioned, Devin, for those who want to extend somewhere else, hey, people might want to do an optional you know, trek to base camp for Mount Everest. Um, others might want to just go explore the stupas and temples in Kathmandu. Or, hey, rearrange your flight so you can go visit India and Thailand, you know, and even drop in cities like Hong Kong or elsewhere. Yeah, it's just a, it's a fantastic region of the world, and uh, so it is a great opportunity. One thing we didn't talk about, Wade, is where people sleep. So it, w once, you're, once you leave Kathmandu, so Sunday night through Thursday night, where are we sleeping? There's no hotel in this village. No, there's not. In fact, uh, what happens is when a, when a village decides to host an expedition and invites us to participate in this project with them, uh, they basically offer us one or two or more classrooms at the local schoolhouse. Um, that doesn't mean that we're canceling school. You know, we're going to have the classes elsewhere. They make arrangements for us. Um, but uh, really, we're going to go in. We set up camp in the classrooms. It's a group setting. So usually we have a bunch of guys over here, a bunch of a bunch of women over here in the room next door, and uh, they provide a kind of a thin foam pad. But don't let that trick you. I would definitely bring something for your back if you want a good night's rest each night. Bring a sleeping bag, get comfortable, and uh, and yeah, just kind of set up camp there in the schoolhouse, and that's going to be home for the next few days. What is the weather like in February in Nepal and in, in the village where we're going? Sure. So it's actually great weather. I would say you can expect anywhere between mid-70s to mid-80s uh, in the part that we're going to be, dipping down in the evening uh, to probably the low 60s, uh, mid, you know, mid to high 50s. So uh, bring something that will keep you cool at night, but uh, you know, everyone's different in that regard. But when you pack clothing, bring layers. Because obviously you're going to be, you know, shedding those layers throughout the day as you work on your project. And as the time gets closer, for those who sign up for this trip, we'll have an in-depth orientation where we go over a, uh, a detailed packing list and make sure everyone's prepared. Okay. Now, one of the painful questions that we need to cover. No one wants to talk about this, but we need to. What <laughs> What is the cost? Great, great. So we're actually going to cover a few things with that, Devin. So. Uh, first of all, the expedition fee for an eight-day expedition, Saturday through Saturday, all-inclusive with the Choice Humanitarian, is $21.95 per person, $19.95 per student, airfare not included. So you need to be looking at airfare for Nepal, and that can range anywhere between, I've seen it, $1,500 to $1,800 around there. Uh, on top of that, people want to ask, okay, what do I need to get there, you know, to get in the country, what's required? Definitely want to make sure you have a valid passport. Passport for at least six, uh, a passport that's valid for at least six months beyond the travel dates. Yes, you do need a visa for Nepal, 
but it can be purchased for just 25 bucks right there at the airport. Uh, so no need to worry about that beforehand. And last but not least, another... As someone who travels around the world all the time, there is no bigger pain in the world than having to worry about a visa. So it's great that you can just get it at the airport. That, that's absolutely right. Bring a little passport-style photo and, and uh, your, your visa right there. Now, one last painful question that comes up, literally, Devin, is what about vaccinations? What kind of shots do we need? There are no shots required for Nepal. Uh, the government does not require anything to get into the country, but we at Choice do recommend that you be up to date with all your routine vaccinations. Yeah, that's always a good idea uh, to, to be safe. Now, if we're heading up from Kathmandu, we're probably not going to be in an area where there is great malaria risk, but what, what is your experience there? Yeah, that's a great point. So um, with that, you know, we don't... We don't require uh, you know, anti-malarial medication. Uh, we do suggest people can consult with their physicians and their doctors to kind of get their opinion because uh, you know we want to make sure that they do whatever they feel is best for them. For me personally, Devin, I've not, never had an issue, and I just bring some mosquito repellent or bug repellent with me, and that's kind of my protection throughout the day. That seems to be sufficient for me at least. Okay. That seems like the prudent course. Well. Wade, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to share this information. Uh, I, I appreciate personally the pre uh, in the pre orientation for the trip because I'm excited about this trip and really looking forward to it. I, I really hope that we'll have some other people join us who are watching this today. One of the things that I also want to point out is that uh, Choice is also developing a partnership with uh, Classy to do crowdfunding so that people who want to go on the trip but can't afford it can uh, raise the money uh, from friends and family so that they don't have to uh, necessarily be uh, among the affluent population in America that can afford to go. Uh, we can work out a crowdfunding campaign so that people can go that way. So uh, certainly folks who are interested in crowdfunding can reach out to me. I can give them some coaching on that or, or reach out to you too, Wade, awesome. right? That, that's absolutely right. And one, one last point I want to add there, Devin. With the expedition fees that come in, a large portion of those fees goes toward project costs and materials in country. And those, those basically, the, those funds are leveraged three to five times as much in country depending on the project in question. Uh, and in order to help subsidize those costs a little bit, yes, yeah, stayclassy.org is, uh, uh, Stay is a fundraising campaign uh, platform that we use online and uh, lets people raise funds for their trip and and Devin you've been you've been wonderful you've been a great supporter uh, of choice uh, it's been a pleasure uh, working with you on some past presentations and events in recent months and uh, I also want to extend an invitation to the audience to please jump on board contact us at choice and uh, let's uh, let's get you to Nepal alrighty Wade again thank you very much for your time today it's been a pleasure to have you thanks so much Devin appreciate it have a great day alrighty Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other change maker here on the Your Mark on the World show 
to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.